0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Coronavirus Stories. My name's Adrian Goldberg. This time, all we are saying is give peace a chance. That's the call from the United Nations and their Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, who wants military forces around the world to lay down their arms and concentrate instead on fighting the pandemic. But how feasible is that and what could the long-term benefits be if they do? To talk us through this, Susan Allen joins us. Susan is an expert in conflict resolution.
1: I'm Susan Allen. I direct the Centre for Peacemaking Practice. Uh, We're located in the Jimmy and Rosalind Carter School for Peace and Conflict Resolution at George Mason University.
0: And what has the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, specifically called for?
1: Well, he has called for a global ceasefire to allow us to effectively address the pandemic. And I think this is really sage leadership on his part, uh, because this is an unprecedented global medical threat that we all face. And this is a time that the leadership of any armed movement needs to be thinking about what are their goals and how does the health of their own community relate to those goals. And a ceasefire is something that actually may make sense for many leaders of armed groups uh, at this particular time.
0: What do we know at the moment about the spread of the pandemic in areas of the world where there is already conflict?
1: We know that it is spreading and that these areas will not be spared. There may be less of the reported cases right now, but I don't expect that to last for, for more than a few weeks. I don't know specific numbers of, of particular war zones because we're not getting information out of them now. But I think we do know credibly that there is no way for any place to be spared uh, the spread of this. It's, it's so contagious and people travel so much. And particularly as we think about war zones, people travel in and out of war zones uh, for a variety of reasons. They will, they will not be spared. And so when they face the coronavirus, to keep on fighting will not make sense. Leaders need to make a choice for the the health of their community and for their long-term goals to take the strength of being a real leader and call for a ceasefire for their own community.
0: My understanding is that there have been cases reported in Syria, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Afghanistan. And aside from the goal, I suppose, of hopefully ending hostility and conflict, as you suggest, there's this realistic issue that if people are fleeing from an area of conflict and they have the coronavirus, COVID-19, then the potential to spread that is going to be much greater than perhaps in an ordinary civilian population.
1: I think that's right. Yep. And I also think that we have The chance leaders often are looking for a reason to have a ceasefire, and this is the perfect reason for it. The ceasefire can allow for a a pause in fighting that will save lives immediately short term. And even if it's only a month, even something as short as a month could really stop the spread of coronavirus uh, in that particular area. And that pause in fighting could also be an opportunity to seek a longer term ceasefire. You know, if we start with a one week, start with one month, and then look at what else makes sense uh, to continue working on the health ramifications of the pandemic. But then eventually that may be a chance for people to pause and think what possible settlement could there be that's longer term here too. So I think starting with an immediate ceasefire for the pandemic reasons may lead to other potential longer term ceasefires as well.
0: Is there any historical precedent for a ceasefire of this kind?
1: Absolutely. There have been numerous ceasefires for medical reasons. Jimmy Carter at the Carter Centre negotiated a ceasefire for work against Guinea Worm. And the Guinea Worm ceasefire held in Sudan for, for six months. And allowed work towards the eradication of guinea worm, which was virtually eradicated through concerted efforts of many actors, including all of those who abided by the ceasefire and allowed medical workers to travel in what had been a war zone and reach remote villages and teach people how to combat the guinea worm. And then been multiple other cases where, for example, Doctors Without Borders will call for very short-term ceasefires to allow access to hospitals or access for medical equipment. Uh, to reach affected populations. And these are you know, often abided by by the warring parties because they recognize that healthcare is something that we all need access to regardless of which side of a war we're on. And it really is in the interests of the, of the people fighting to allow the medical work to continue.
0: Forgive me, I'm not familiar with Guinea Worm and it's uh, the ceasefire in the Sudan conflict. What, what was Guinea Worm and how did that play out in Sudan?
1: Guinea Worm, it's a, a worm that is transmitted through the water it comes into contact then with the body comes into their feet for example as they walk through some wet moisture a puddle or something on the ground and then the worm grows in the body you may have seen graphic pictures of people coaxing the worm out of someone's leg for example and wrapping it around a stick to pull it out and so The medical workers needed to reach people and explain how to combat the guinea worm, how to filter the water, how to avoid going near the water sources if one was infected with guinea worm, etc. It was a painful, painful disease. And I'm not 100% sure it's been fully, fully eradicated, but there certainly has been a drastic, drastic decrease in it.
0: But there is a historical precedent then for ceasing conflict at a time of great medical emergency. I suppose some people might be cynical about that and say the job of military leaders bluntly is to kill people and that ceasing fire for a short period of time because of a health emergency only goes so far because once the health emergency is over then those military leaders may sadly go back to killing people again.
1: Certainly, you know, that's, that's a reasonable argument. This is not a panacea. It's not going to stop war forever. But it's a reasonable step towards addressing this pandemic. And if it lasts for a week or a month, that's better than nothing. I also want to address, you know, what if there's some war zones that don't buy into the ceasefire? What if it's only, you know, Syria and DRC or something? Or what if it's only Afghanistan? What if other places won't buy in? A partial global ceasefire is better than zero. So while I really support the UN Secretary General's call for a global ceasefire, if that leads to 90% compliance, that's a lot better than zero. So so I don't want to say it's going to be easy. I don't want to say that all warlords everywhere are going to abide by it, but I do think it's worth pursuing and it's really up to, you know, the leadership in each particular warring community to make decisions on what's in the best interest of their community during this pandemic and to consider their own community's health as well.
0: And Susan, you work in the School for Conflict Analysis and Resolution at the Centre for Peacemaking Practice. So obviously, you have a, a bias towards encouraging peace here. Underlying this, I get the sense from you that you believe that if we can have a ceasefire, at least in some Of these conflict zones around the world, that breathing space may extend then into a longer period of peace, a time when people can pause, reflect, maybe find the excuse that they've been looking for to stop hostilities and perhaps enter a more peaceable phase.
1: We can hope that it's not just a hope, it's not just a blind hope, but the history of ceasefires is that ceasefires that start short-term can be extended. You know, what has happened in the past is possible. So it is possible that that a short-term ceasefire could then be extended. An extended ceasefire could then lead to a political settlement. So I'm not saying this would happen everywhere all the time, but it has happened in, in some cases, and therefore we could expect that if we were to have multiple ceasefires uh, in the immediate future, some of those could last longer. Uh, so I think it's quite a reasonable thing not only for addressing the pandemic, but for addressing the, the other, dare I say, pandemic. We have a violence in the world. We have you know, so many people dying of battle deaths. The coronavirus is going to be drastically beyond that. But if we can address the coronavirus through concerted effort globally, and then also address the needless deaths through so many wars, that will be a step in the right direction. Uh, I also want to note, um, you mentioned me being at the School for Conflict Analysis and Resolution, and we have just in the recent weeks announced a new name for our school. So we're now the Jimmy and Rosalind Carter School of Peace and Conflict Resolution. That is relevant because I mentioned the Carter work on the Guinea worm ceasefire, and I'm pleased that our our school is able to honour the work of Jimmy and Rosalind Carter with our new name, um, honouring their work for peace. Sure.
0: Has there been any sign so far of leaders in conflict zones around the world accepting his proposal for a ceasefire?
1: I have not seen any public reporting of that. However, I would expect that much behind-the-scenes conversation would be happening, that there would be envoys, mediators around the world working with warring parties to raise this issue and to explore what would be required to allow a ceasefire in that particular location. So I don't expect we would hear about it until a ceasefire were actually implemented and signed and implemented.
0: All we're saying is uh, give peace a chance. Susan, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed for joining us and uh, stay safe yourself as well.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Good talking with you. Susan Allen there, and thank you very much indeed for listening to this episode of Coronavirus Stories. And don't forget, if you've got a coronavirus story that you want to share with me, please drop me an email to goldbergradio at gmail.com, and you can follow the progress of this podcast via my Twitter account, at Goldberg Radio. Stay safe.